We thank you for visiting Christian Bible Temple and pray the following message speaks to your heart. Well, good morning, everyone, once again. It's great to see your faces this morning, to see you here in the house of the Lord. You could have chosen to be anywhere else, but you chose to be here. So may God bless and honor that today. <clears throat> so today, we're going to talk about a topic, um, a serious topic, and one that is somewhat technical in what I'm going to teach and preach today. Um, so in order to start, why don't we all open up our words to Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. Luke 16, 19 through 31. It's, it's a story, actually, yeah, it's a story that many of you know already, um, have heard many times over, and we're going to talk about today. Today's sermon is entitled, a very motivational, encouraging title, Where Do People Go After They Die? So where do people go after they die? And today we're going to talk about Abraham's bosom, hell, and Hades, or Sheol. Okay? Um, and we're going to talk about that in a bit. So where do people go after they die? I think it's good, you know, especially there's a lot of biblical ignorance. Yes, in our nation, in our world, and so on. But it's sad that there's so much biblical ignorance within the church itself. Right? We're the ones who should know the Bible know the Bible stories at least and what they mean right um, but you even hear kids nowadays that don't know who Noah is who Moses is and you know all these stories that many of us were raised with and now parents are not even teaching them the stories right um, that you know very much shaped the foundation of a kid's morals um, values what they know to be right and wrong how to treat others and so on um, but like it says outside right we are Christian Bible right so um, we're going to talk about things that you know believers should know especially if someone asks them um, the question so where do people go after the die so we're going to start with Luke 16 chapter 16 starting from verse 19 to 31 and it says there was a certain man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day but there was a certain beggar named Lazarus full of sores who was laid at his gate desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, 
that you will send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to them, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham. But if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded through though one rise from the dead. Amen. And so here we have an interesting story, right? Um, and there's a few interesting things in here. Um, first of all, you know, many people say, well, is this a parable, right? Because Jesus many times spoke in parables. But remember, in parables, he never used people's names, right? He said the farmer, the king, the worker, the servant. He gave titles of peoples, right? Um, and their jobs or, or whatever it may be, but never gave a name. Here he gives a name, right, which is Lazarus. Now, this is not the Lazarus that Jesus rose from the dead. It's a different Lazarus, right? I think God sometimes, he has a sense of humor. Sometimes he puts names in here just to mess with people. <laughs> just to be like, you know, just study the word, right, just to see if you're paying attention. Um, this is not the Lazarus that he rose from the dead. It's a different Lazarus. Um, but once again, he used a name. So we know most likely it is not a parable, right? Um, so it is real what happened here. It's a glimpse into what happens after people die, right? Which is a great, um, uh, just a great glimpse of it, right? A lot of people, we, none of us have seen what happens after die. You know, you hear all those stories of people that died for 20 minutes, right? Or for 15 minutes and they come back and they tell all these stories of what they saw and and what they heard and, and so on and so forth, um, which, you know, it, it's hard to debate a, a, an experience, right? Um, although many of their stories are not biblical when they, when they say it, so I'm just kind of questioning that when it's compared to the Bible itself. But either way, here we have a, a, a picture or an image of Jesus and using a story to glimpse of what happens, right? And as something very important to note, and I'm going to talk about this next week because I was studying this and I saw it was way too big to do on one Sunday and I'm very long-winded. So we broke it up into two Sundays. Um, but this happened, and this is important to realize too as far as where people go after they die, this happened before the death and resurrection of Jesus. His death and resurrection changed at least where the believer goes. Okay, and we'll talk about that next week. I mean, I'll, maybe I'll talk about that a little bit at the end of this sermon. Um, but this happened, this story happened, right? Obviously, Jesus said it. So it happened before he died and resurrected. Okay, so that's very important. But once again, it talks about death, right? And we know very much so, those who have lived us here long enough and have any sort of common sense, that death is what? Inevitable. We'll all be visited by death one day, right? Um, we've had, you know, and, and it's crazy, as you live longer, that truth becomes more and more concrete, right? As you have friends, families, parents, and so on that die around you for many different reasons. You just see it as inevitable and everyone must face it, right? Um, even though many of us fear it, I was saying the church and society as a whole um, fear death. And therefore, we try to find different ways to live forever. And this has been happening forever, right? We hear about elixirs, medicines, diets, 
creams to make yourself feel young so at least you look immortal even if you're gonna die the next day at least you look good right but eventually it comes to everyone right it's the one equalizer and we all have to face it right um and it's a pity i mean and even if we have that mindset even if we believe that we still live as if we have forever to live on this earth right knowing that god can take us he can take me now on this program they say listen don't anyone get scared but i mean at any second any moment right he can take us um and it's a pity that you know you hear about these stories of these people that have near-death experiences and all of a sudden what happens they have such a gratitude right they're so grateful for life and they're like oh, i'm just so grateful for everyone around me just to take a breath just to do this just to do that right and it's a pity that you have to get to that point to be grateful for the life that God gives you, right? Every morning that you wake up and... Whew, I had a friend. He was a co-worker. God rest his soul. He died seven years ago um, from cancer. His name was Robert. And he, 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 was, he was Catholic. Um, and he said he believed in Christ. I pray, you know, my hope is that he did believe in Christ. And I will see him one day because he was just a sweet soul. Um, and... And every morning, yeah, he said, he was telling me, Ivan, I get up every morning. He said, before I even put my feet on the floor, I take a deep breath and say, thank you, God, for the day that you have given me for life. I said, man, that's awesome. That's wonderful, right? He never went to church. I mean, he went to church when he was young, and he did his thing, and, you know, he was kind of wild and crazy. But he said, every morning, Ivan, I, I don't put my feet on the floor. I'm saying, God, thank you for this life, right? Um, because once again, you never know. Um, and even... I mean, we had a whole year, right, of death. All of 2020 um, was a pandemic, and many of us lost people. We saw people, millions, right, just just wiped away. Um, you know, it's crazy how we, we boast of how awesome we are as a human race, but yet God uses just a virus to wipe out billions within just a short period of time. Just shows us how small we are in comparison to him, right? Um, and his power but we've had tough year and also I know in the last month or so here in our church we've had a tough um, two months or so of deaths back to back to back um, but I'm in, you know in a sense I'm kind of grateful for that you know not grateful for the people that died I still mourn for them and it's sad but it kind of wakes people up to how finite life is Right, how 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 short life is, and it could be taken. And and you know, I say this as an adult, and all the kids, Brianna, listen up here. And all the kids up here, I want all you kids to listen up here. Josias, Elias, Isaac, Noemi, Gabriel, Larissa. All the kids, yes, Andrew, I think you should let that age too. So look up here. <laughs> you guys are young, and you have a whole life ahead of you. Right. Yes or no? Make sure you're still here. Yes, Olivia, okay. <laughs> but no, not even you, that the Lord has your days numbered as well. He knows how long you live. Hopefully live to be 80. Listen, hopefully live to be old and just walking with a cane, you know, doing all that stuff. Right? I wish that blessing upon you. But you never know. Because life is very fragile. You could be here one day and gone the next. So make sure, even if you're young, older, whatever, and everything in between, that your eternity is secure in Jesus Christ. 
right? Because as soon as you're old enough to know that you're sinning against a holy God, then the Lord will hold you accountable for that sin. And all of you here are old enough. And all of you here are old enough to know that he will hold you accountable for what you do with his son and what he did on the cross. So don't wait till it's too late. Trust him now so that he may bless you for the rest of the days of your life, whatever that may be. But death is inevitable. And as a church, we need to be prepared for those outside that are really terrified of what may happen after. That is terrifying, right? For those who do not know, I cannot imagine or comprehend losing a loved one and not knowing where they're at. Thinking if this is the only life we have here and that's it? That's crazy. And thinking that if I lost someone, I will never see, ever, ever see them again. Yes, I will torment and lament like many do at the funeral. They think, think I lost him and I will never see this person again. But we have that hope, right? In Jesus Christ. So, I want to talk about, first of all, a few main ideas or philosophies about death. It's just the main ideas. There's so many. If you research it, what happens after life, I mean life after death, woof, you get some crazy stuff too out there, right? That doesn't even make sense in the common sense, right? Just people make stuff up. But these are some of the main ideas. First one is reincarnation, right? A lot of you guys have heard about that, reincarnation. And I'm oversimplifying a lot of these thoughts, so please, if I insult anyone or Anyone here not there in the virtual world, I'm very much oversimplifying these philosophies um, just to be, you know, so people can understand it, just to go over it very quickly. So reincarnation, which a huge um, religion, <clears throat> one of the biggest religions is Hinduism, right? Um, that talk about it, and it's based on karma, right? Whatever you do in this life will affect your next life, right? Whether you do good will affect how you come back, what kind of position, it's all, it's all based, and if you really look at it, it's interesting in the case, it's a caste or caste, caste system, right? Um, and how you come back in a hierarchy and so on. Um, but it's based on karma. What good deeds you do here will be reflected in your next life. Also, the opposite of that is, is, is true in, 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 in reincarnation, that what you do bad in this life, you're going to pay for it in the next life, right? Eventually. Once again, oversimplifying a lot of this, there's all these little nuances to it. But that's reincarnation. Basically, that you come back either way, whether good or bad, you're coming back. I don't know as who or what, but you're going to come back, right? And that's reincarnation. Another one, and this one's interesting, annihilationism. Annihilationism. Annihilation, right? So people that believe this, what do you think they believe after you die? After you die, what happens? <laughs> that's a theological term to believe it. <laughs> Done. Right? But there's two, there's two things to this. There's two parts to annihilationism. First one, and, and, and the biggest group that believes this is the Seventh-day Adventists, is the belief that hell is temporary. There is a hell. The hell itself, the place, is eternal, and the power it has to destroy and tor torment, it stays the same. However, the belief system is that if you go to hell... Those that are unrighteous, right, are only there for a short period of time. And eventually, they burn away and cease to exist, including Satan and his angels, 
right? Because hell was made for Satan and his angels. It was not made for us. It was made for Satan and his angels. That even Satan and his angels will be only, for, only be there for a temporary time and eventually cease to exist. Okay? That's the first part of annihilation, annihilationism. The second part is exactly that. As soon as you die, you cease to exist. As soon as you take your last breath, that's it. You just become, I don't even know what, you just cease to become anything. Right? That this hell or heaven on earth is exactly that. It's whatever you make of it here. Right? Which I always tell people, if this is your philosophy, I personally, if this was my philosophy, I would quit my job. First of all, I would not have a family because I don't want any attachments. Because, let me, right? Think common sense. If this is your religion, I'm going to go crazy and travel everywhere, eat everywhere, do everything I can do before I die. If this is my only place here. And I could do whatever I want. Why? Because there's no judgment after. And as long as I can flee from the cops, as long as I can, I'm going to do whatever I can. Right? If that is your philosophy. But it's crazy that even that, right, goes against science. Because the law of thermodynamics says what? Energy cannot be destroyed. Eventually it has to go somewhere. So this thing just goes against all of science, which is crazy. But annihilationism. So reincarnation, annihilationism. And the last one is many of us who grew up in the Catholic Church is what? Purgatory. A Catholic belief, right? That you're in limbo. That certain people are in limbo until you purged of your sins and then eventually you go to heaven right but this was done and we saw in the past many times as a business tactic so people can pay the catholic church so they can get their certain people into heaven and the catholic church gets what dinero mula so it's crazy but either way purgatory um is another belief so reincarnation annihilationism and purgatory yes there's many other things but these are some of the main things right uh, and most religions, most big religions, have um, a heaven and hell as well. So what does the Bible say, though? What does the Bible say? Well, it says a lot about it. And I'm not going to go over everything today because it's a good amount. But first of all, it says either apart from God in torment, eternal death or separation, you're together with God in paradise, eternal life, abiding with him together always. Okay, so those are the two things in the Bible. There's no purgatory, no limbo, nothing. It is not mentioned in the Bible. It's either or. Okay? However, today we're also going to talk about the abodes of the dead or the realms of the dead that are mentioned in the Bible. Where do dead people go? Where do the souls go? If you're an unbeliever, where do you go? Before Christ and after Christ. Right? And who goes where? There's all these different well, but who goes to these places? And very important, like I told you before, it's important to see these places before the death and resurrection of Christ, after his death and resurrection, and very importantly, we're talking about it this morning, after the great white throne judgment. There's only things that happen after the great white throne judgment. We're going to see that next week. All right. So first of all, let's talk about the realms of the dead or the abode of the dead. I Many of you guys have heard this. Sheol and Hades, same place. Sheol is in Hebrew. Hades is in what? Greek, okay? But the same place, okay? And what is Sheol and Hades? All it is is very simply the place of the dead. 
the place of the dead. Now, there's two realms in Hades and Sheol, which you're going to go after. So if you died, you went to one of these two places in Sheol and, and, and um, in Hades. There's two places in there. We're going to talk about that later. Abraham's bosom, paradise, or hell. Okay, we're going to talk about that. So you first hear mentioned in Genesis 37, 35. Genesis 10. I'm going to go a bit quickly here because there's a lot to cover. So you could just write them down and you could check the verses later. It's first mentioned in Genesis 35 when Jacob mourns Joseph, right? When they show him the pit and they show him his coat that it's, you know, they ripped it up. They put blood on it and they think Joseph is dead. Jacob says, <clears throat> then all his sons and daughters attempted to console him. But he refused to be comforted and said, I will go down to Sheol, the place of the dead, in mourning for my son. And his father wept for him, right? So he was so sad and lamenting over his son's death that it, it, he wanted to go down to Sheol, right? Just take me, right? That's how sad he was. But this is the first time it is mentioned in the Bible. Now we see Sheol and Hades is a place that you do not come back from, right? Death is final. In Job 7, 9, it says, As the cloud disappears and vanishes away, so he who goes down to the grave does not come up. Right? And we've proven that. Have you ever seen anyone walking and coming out of their cemetery plot? Nope. Unless it's a grave digger, right, in the cemetery. No one's getting up. As soon as you're dead, you're done. Um, 2 Samuel 12, 23, and this is David speaking in reference to his son after he died. Right, he stopped fasting um, because he died, and he says, But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Death is final, right? Psalm 49 14 it says, Like sheep they are laid in the grave, death shall feed on them. The upright shall have dominion over them in the morning. And their beauty shall be consumed in the grave, or Sheol, for far from their dwelling. It's all-consuming. It doesn't give back. Once you're, once you're dead, you're dead. That's it. It is a place also that is deep down as far as heaven is high up. Job 11.8 says, They are higher than heaven. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol. What can you know? So just a comparison that as high as heaven is, so is Sheol and heavy is deep, right? And, and this one's interesting now, because this is going to go into next week's sermon as well. Sheol and Hades are temporary. Sheol and Hades, the place of the dead. I'm not talking about hell or paradise yet. I'm just talking about the place of the dead. Sheol and Hades, or Hades, are temporary. And Daniel knew this. Daniel 12, Daniel chapter 12, verse 2 says that many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. So even he knew that people will resurrect from the dead and eventually either go to everlasting life or everlasting contempt. And we're going to see later what happens to Sheol and Hades. So that's the first part. Sheol and Hades is the place of the dead. Okay? When people die... They go to Sheol and Hades. Um, <clears throat> they used to, and we're going to talk about that. Now, there's two abodes in Hades. So there's two realms, two locations, two places in Hades or Sheol. Hell 
and Abraham's bosom or paradise. Okay, Abraham's bosom. We see in our text in verse 26 that the two are separated by a big space, right? It says, and besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed or um, uh, just a great space so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us, right? So no one can cross from hell to paradise. I don't know why everyone will cross from paradise to hell, but either way, no one can cross either way, right? There's this large chasm, large space fixed that cannot be crossed. Now, so we know both hell and paradise are separated. Now, the first one we're going to talk about is hell. Now, here's the distinction as well. This hell is not to be confused with the lake of fire. Two different places. Okay, so we've heard about the lake of fire, right? So this is initial hell. The lake of fire is basically the, 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 the last hell. They're basically the last punishment for the unrighteous, for those who haven't trusted in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, um, and for Satan and his angels. So this is the first um, <clears throat> hell, um, not to be confused once again with the lake of fire. We know that it is a place of torment for the unrighteous, um, for those who did not put their trust in God and his mercy and grace manifested in Jesus Christ. Um, so hell, this word hell is used in the Old Testament. Um, and in, in the New Testament, it is the word hell in English it's used, but it's a different one um, talking about the lake of fire in the New Testament. It's no longer talking about this hell. Gehenna, which we're going to talk about next week. That hell is a lake of fire, right? Because Jesus is talking about now the end times and after the great white throne judgment. So this hell is used in the Old Testament up to um, when Jesus died in the cross. The only other place there's a different name is in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. The only other time that hell is used or a different name for it is used. Peter actually gets this word from Greek mythology. Okay, he gets it from Greek mythology, and it's the word Tartarus, from Greek mythology, Tartarus. This, in Greek mythology, is a hell under Hades. And this hell was only reserved for the worst of the worst, for the most evil ever created, ever made, and the most evil. And so Peter uses this, Tartarus, to talk about the fallen angels that are imprisoned until the great white throne judgment. This is not even talking about the angels, right? It says that Satan and his demons roam the earth, right? Tempting. These are different angels that have been imprisoned and are awaiting the great white throne judgment. Many people think that these are the angels that were in Genesis 6 when it was talking about the sons of, of God came down and they went to, you know, they, they took earthly women and that's where you get the giants, the Nephilim, and all these abominations, right? Many think it's those angels that are in that prison of torment. Um... But that's the only other time that a different word is used other than hell that is in Sheol. So first we see that this hell that's in Sheol, it is never full and never satisfied. This is in Proverbs 27, 20. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied, right? And we see that people are always dying, right? Um, especially the unrighteous. Um, and so, you know, they always have a place to go, unfortunately, but... It is never full or satisfied. It is always taking souls that are unrighteous. It is a place. <clears throat> it is never full. It is a place of pain, torment, and memory. Where you still remember. 
First, we see pain and torment, and we see this um, in our verses, right? Uh, in verse 22 and 23, it says, So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, the rich man, he lifted up his eyes. So once again, we know he was looking down up, right? So it's deep down. Um, and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Um, and this is him talking as well. After, right, he says, Please send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm in tormented in this flame. And also in verse 24, we see his pain. It says, Then he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. So he's in agony, in torment, right, um, in this place of hell. So we know it's a place of agony, um, torment, and, and, and a flame too, because he said, Dip your tongue in, in water so you can give me just soothe soothe me from this tormenting flame right that's why many people get it mixed up with the lake of fire because they hear fire but it is not it is the different place either way it's a place of torment we also see it's a place where they remember the people still remember right and he said then he cried out and said father abraham have mercy on me and said lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue for tormenting this flame <clears throat> so he remembered lazarus and who he was and then he says later on in verse 27, I beg you, therefore, father, that you will send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. He remembered his family. And more than anything, he said, I don't want them to come here, but now it's too late. Right now it's too late. So he remembered them. Right. And he didn't want to suffer the way he's doing. So pain torment and memory you can still remember in this hell it does not discriminate it doesn't matter how much money you have who you are the color of your skin where you live how many titles you have or what you've done in your life how good you've been it does not discriminate right the people that go here once again those who have not trusted in jesus christ as the lord and savior isaiah 14 9 through 11 it says hell from beneath and this is talking about the kings of babylon Hell from beneath is excited about you to meet you at your coming. What an invitation. God, that's terrifying. To say hell from beneath is excited about you to meet you at your coming. It stirs up the dead for you. Whew. Hey guys, wake up. We got company. Come and give in a welcoming committee, right? To hell itself. That's demons and people that are tormented. All the chief ones of the earth that has raised up from their thrones, all the kings of the nations, they shall speak and say to you, right? All those kings that had everything and now they're in hell tormented. They said, have you become as weak as we? Have you become like us? Your pomp is brought down to Sheol. Basically, all your pomp and circumstance, all that beautiful stuff has come down to the, day, to the place of the dead. And the sound of your string instruments, the maggot is spread, the maggots, are spread under you and worms cover you. So that's what awaits those who go to the hell in Sheol, right? So we could get a glimpse of kind of the torment that awaits those people. Also, they say the maggot and worms talks about the body, right? You could do all this, but everyone, listen, goes back to a body and the maggots and worms take over, right? No matter how much you have or what you've done. So who goes to hell? Who goes to this hell? Well, we have a little glimpse 
on verses of our <clears throat> scripture, verses 27 through 31. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you will send him to my house, for I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father, amen. If one goes, one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if you do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. What was he? He was talking about himself, right? He knew he was going to come back, and here we are. Like Pastor Alex always says, an empty seat is just a, just a sign of unbelief, right? One person that has not believed. People still don't believe. Jesus rose from the dead 2,000 years ago. People still don't believe, right? But here he's talking about Jesus hadn't died yet. So who are these people that go to hell? Well, he talks about, well, listen to Moses and the prophets, right? To tell them about this place. But what did Moses and the prophets say? In John 5, verses 46 to 47, it says, For if you believed Moses, you would believe me. For he, what? Wrote about me. This is Jesus talking. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So who are those people that go there? Who is Moses and the prophets pointing to? To the Messiah to come. From the beginning of time, the prophets, Moses, the whole word of God, the Old Testament, was pointing to God's redemptive plan, Jesus Christ and the Messiah to come. The one Abraham believed in and they counted to him as what? Righteousness. Right? So John 3.18, it says, He who believes in him is not what? Condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So who goes to this hell? Very simply, even in the Old Testament, those who did not trust in God, the God of Israel and Abraham and the Messiah to come, the anointed one. Right? That's the one unforgivable sin is not trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So that's hell. Place of torment, place of memory, place of pain. Um, <clears throat> and, and it's made for those, a resting place in Hades for those who have not trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Enough negativity. Abraham's bosom or paradise. And we'll end with that today. It says in verse 22, so it was, the, it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and being in tormentors in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Now, this is the only time it's mentioned in the Bible. Um, and it's mentioned, it's, it's used in the Talmud as an image of heaven, right? Now, Abraham's bosom or paradise, what is it like? Well, we saw that Lazarus was comforted, right? He told the rich man, you had everything, and Lazarus was given evil things, but now he is comforted. So we see that it is a place of comfort. It is a place of peace and rest for the righteous who have trusted the God of Israel and the promise of the Messiah. Right? That, per that thief on the cross, he said, Jesus, he trusted in him. He said, Jesus, you are God. You are the, 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 the Messiah, the anointed one. And what did Jesus say to him? Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me where? Paradise, Abraham's bosom. That's the other section in, the, in that realm of the dead, hell and Abraham's bosom. <clears throat> Abraham's bosom or paradise was only an abode for the righteous until Jesus died on the cross 
and resurrected. All the Old Testament people there that were there, right? All the people in the New Testament that believed in him were in that paradise in Abraham's bosom. It was a place, they were waiting there, not in torment, not anxious or worried, be like, when is this Messiah coming? They were in peace and they were comforted, waiting for the blood of Christ to come. And we're going to talk about that later. But after that, then they went into heaven. After the heaven that we know of, right? Being with God and in his presence. And we're going to talk about that tomorrow, how the blood of Christ held captivity captive. He took that part, Abraham's bosom in paradise. Those people in there, right? It said he descended, right? To the bottom, right? To the pits. Guess where it was? Sheol and hell that we just spoke about to proclaim that he had victory over that which has held us captive since the beginning of time. And what's that that has held us captive? Sin, death, decay, Satan, all these things. They don't have power over the believer, do they? God, Jesus went to say, nope, I have freed everyone. I have been victorious. I'm victorious over all these things, right? So all those people, and this is a glimpse into next week's sermon, all those people in Abraham's bosom in paradise will now go to heaven. So now there is only one realm in Sheol and Hades. What, what realm is that? If he took Abraham's bosom in paradise, what stayed in Sheol and Hades? Hell itself. And we're going to see where that ends next week. So, once again, Hades, Sheol, the place of the dead. Two realms within Hades um, and Sheol, hell in Abraham's bosom in paradise. But when did Abraham's bosom in paradise stop being? When he died on the cross and resurrected three days later. And now the believer, and I'm going to end with this, because people ask, where do you go when you die nowadays? Well, for the unbeliever that has not trusted in Jesus Christ and Lord and Savior, come on class, where do they go? To hell, which is in Sheol, Hades. That hell is still there. That place of torment. And pain is still there. They still go there. However, the believer who dies today, right, absent in the body, present with the Lord, they go straight to heaven. They're present before the Lord. So know that if you have trusted, repented of your sins, and trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your eternity is sealed. If God forbid, if, if something happens today, you die today, you're in heaven. You'll be in his presence. That's the one hope that we have, right? Like I said, in our church, we've had deaths. But we know that they're in a better place. Pastor Mayen, right? The, the Dominican Republic. It was very sad to hear of his passing. Known for so long. I see him, you know, I go to an autism conference in the Dominican Republic, and we always see him. And this is going to be the first, we're going in November, if, if everything goes as planned again. Um, and this is going to be the first year since the conference has started that we're not going to see him. And that hurts. Doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. But at least I have that hope. First of all, I know he's better than I am. He's in glory. He's, and we're going to talk about that next week. What we do when we get to heaven. He's serving the almighty God, right? Um, and, and he's in peace. There is no pain. There is no death. There is no sin. There is no worry, no anxiety. None of that. It's just worshiping God for the rest of eternity. And that's what happens to the believer when they die in this day. But if you have not trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just like the rich man, 
you will go to hell. Right? So make sure, make sure that you make sure that your eternity is sealed in Jesus Christ. So repent of your sins and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior if you have not already. We thank you for listening to this message and pray that the Word of God spoke to your heart. To listen to previous sermons, please visit us at www.cbttbc.com or anchor.fm forward slash cbt hyphen sermons.